Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. that was actually got really popular in the civil rights movement. And most people at that time would have known it by the voice of Nina Simone. Nina did a cover of I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free in 1967. But it was originally written by a jazz musician named Billy Taylor. Billy wrote it for his seven-year-old daughter. Here's how he tells the story. My daughter Kim came home from school one day singing a spiritual, but she didn't really know what it was and didn't have the proper feel behind it. I said, Kim, this is part of your heritage. You can't be singing a spiritual like that. You have to have more feeling. And so Billy sat down at the piano and he just made up a little ditty, just a little song he thought sounded like a spiritual to teach her. She got bored, went off to play with her dolls, and he thought, this is not such a bad tune. And so he finished the melody in like 15 minutes. But then he worked for a while and a while and a while on the lyrics, and he said, I just had this message, and I'm trying to get it out right. So he asked a friend, Dick Dallas, who was a fellow lyricist, to help him finish it out. I wish I could share all the love that's in my heart, remove all the bars that keep us apart, I wish you could know what it means to be me. Then you'd see and agree every man should be free. Growing up, Billy's dad directed the choir at their church. And so Billy had always understood what he wanted Kim to grasp. Spirituals suggest things about who we are, he said, and what we're about, what we long for. As an adult, after her dad passed away, Kim reflected on that most popular song of his. And she figured out that meaning he was trying to teach. She said he had captured the sentiments of the times and found a way to give voice to the feelings of those of us who were engaged in the struggle for civil rights. One of those people turned out to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King would often ask dad to play the song, but could never remember the name. He would just ask dad, play that Baptist sounding song. And dad knew which one he meant. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free has reverberated through the years. The message of freedom keeps getting passed on. And new artists cover it. The version we were just playing was how I was introduced to the song, a 2010 cover by John Legend and The Roots. And just as the songs can move forward and express sentiments for new generations, I think they can move backward too. Because as I was reading through our scripture again and again, as I keep coming back to Exodus and a people longing to be free, this song just kept playing in my head. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I could break all the chains holding me. I wish I could say all the things I should say 
Say them loud, say them clear for the whole round world to hear. Today, we're at the moment where the Israelites finally get their long-awaited freedom. We've been reading through the beginning chapters of the book of Exodus since January, actually. And it's the second book in the Old Testament portion of our scriptures. This was all the history of God's people 1,500 years before Jesus ever came to earth. The Israelites had moved to Egypt because there was a famine in their land. And God used that space to be a place of rescue and provide them food, provide them a place to be. And yet, it was not supposed to be their forever home. For decades, things were going well. Israel and Egypt lived together as neighbors, even one of their own. Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, he served as an advisor to the king of Egypt. But after he died, the peaceful way turned slowly and slowly more bitter. A hidden prejudice had developed in the Egyptians. Something was brewing, and at that point in Scripture, it's like I was reading, and you just want to grab the Israelites and say, get out! If you know the movie reference, you know. But prejudice grew into outright hatred, and one of the pharaohs of Egypt saw a growing immigrant nation as a threat to his power. And so they put slave masters over them, we read in Exodus 1, to oppress them with forced labor. They made the Israelites' lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The entire people group of Israel were facing genocide. The, e- Egypt was trying to work them to death. And if that didn't work, the population kept growing. And so they just outright made it a rule. Like, don't let the baby boy Israelites live. God's people, they didn't have power on their own. They were vulnerable to harm There seemed no escape, and so they cried out. It said they groaned in their agony, and they cried out to a God who, well, they'd kind of grown distant from. But we read that God heard. He was deeply moved. He cared about this people, and he wanted to rescue them. So he made a plan. He partnered with a a guy named Moses. You might have heard of him. Through Moses, God reintroduced himself as, hey, remember my name? Tell the people. Yahweh, I am, I will be. And so Yahweh had a rescue plan, and he said, tell the people, I will free them. And part of this plan were these signs and wonders we talked through. They were the 10 plagues to try to get Pharaoh's attention to say, let my people go. And yet Pharaoh refused again and again. And so today, finally, the final plague we read about last week, has allowed Pharaoh to be convinced to let the people go. So we are going from our warm, fiery Exodus slide and to the peaceful blue waters of new life and freedom. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter 12 this morning. It's page 48 in the Pew Bibles or grab your devices or just check on screen with us. I'm going to read for us verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, 
Leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. Also bless me. Notice how it says during the night. Like before, when, when there were some plagues going on, Pharaoh's like, mm, maybe do it tomorrow. Now his mind has changed. He's like, you're gone, you're out. I don't care what time it is, go. We have an urgency here because that 10th and final plague, the death of the firstborn in Egypt, Yahweh knew it would take an extreme measure. And we kept seeing his grace because he kept giving Pharaoh one more chance because he didn't want the big strike to happen. And yet Pharaoh's evil manifested in more death. So there's an urgency for him to get him out and also bless me. He's doing all this tyranny and he's still like, but, but, but what's in it for me? Verse 33, the Egyptians, this is all the people, they also urged the Israelites, hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said, we will all die. Now we have the benefit. We knew plague 10 was 10 final. Like we, we know that. And yet the people didn't. Can you imagine what they felt? I mean, suddenly all the devastation that they had done to others came into their houses and they couldn't imagine what more could come. And so they're like, yep, go away, leave, we're good. Verse 37, the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, flocks, herds. This is a big parade. Can you imagine the spectacle? And I'm sure like, even though it was like, hurry and get out, it's also like, it's gonna take a minute, right? And if we can imagine, they just counted the men, not sure why, but we got the women and some children too. Can you imagine that's probably more like 1.2 million or so people? That's like, picture the entire city of Dallas just getting up and moving to another state. There's like a hole to be filled there, right? That would be just like very strange looking. And yet, and yet this was the rescue plan. This was God's way of getting them out. Now here's a poignant piece that we end this Exodus scripture today. The length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very day, the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. 430 years. I can't even imagine that span of time. Like our country is only 237 years old, 247 and, and like, imagine the difference in life, what that was, United States was 247 years ago to today. And imagine 430. I mean, this was, what were the Israelites like? How had they changed over the centuries? I mean, everyone leaving right now, they didn't know anything else except slavery and subjugation their entire lives. Leaving, yes, was probably very exciting, but also frightening. I mean, that's all they'd known. Can you imagine their fear mixed with the joy? Well, first of all, it's probably like, is this a trick? Is there something gonna happen and bring us back? 
uh, is this a dream? Well, where are we headed? And how are we going to get there? And how long is the journey? And what's it going to be like when we arrive? And can you just imagine they're human beings leaving everything that they've known and stepping into freedom, but it's unknown. It's unknown. But they were finally free. In the coming weeks, we'll talk more about that journey and more about how they entered into freedom. And you might know that there was a body of water that was in their way. Come back promo for the rest of the story. We'll talk more. But right now, it is Easter. And so we're going to switch to the New Testament because someone else is getting out and it's Jesus getting out of the tomb. The same Yahweh who introduced himself to the Israelites, I am, is the same Yahweh who came as Jesus, a Jewish man living in the Middle East in the first century. And that is our God. And Jesus came because he was the rest of the rescue plan. Jesus used sermons and stories, miracles and meals in order to communicate who Yahweh was to the people, to try to give people a a closer perspective. As our Echo Kids just sang, we worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. God's plan was always rescuing souls as well as bodies, And and just like he was rescuing the oppressed in Israel, Jesus was still a part of that plan. God was ready to rescue all of humanity for all time. Jesus lived a perfect life on earth, died on a cross, and then rose again to defeat death and sin and bring us all life. Let's read about that resurrection, Matthew 28 page 706 in Pew Bibles, or again on screen. Verse one says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So Jesus died on a Friday. We call it Good Friday in our remembrances now. But then the next day was Sabbath, so they had to rush. They stashed Jesus away, but there were some rituals, burial rituals that hadn't been done yet. And so Mary and Mary, that was, that was their goal that morning. Like, okay, Sabbath is over. We've rested. Let's just, let's take care of Jesus. He was their friend but an angel arrived with an earthquake and power and moving a giant stone, noisy spectacle. I love that he's just like chilling on it. <laughs> he just sat on it. I don't know, like it's just, I have visuals. But now remember we talked at Christmas time, what angels are really described like in the Bible? Yeah, so this might have been why the guards were kind of flipping out a little bit. Okay, these are the way just the scripture describes some angels, but it says he has some clothes on, so maybe he kind of put on a little bit more human suit. I don't know. Either way, frightening situation. So this is what the angel said. This is how all angels begin their conversations with people. Do not be afraid, the angel said to the women, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. 
He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I could not get the phrase, afraid yet filled with joy, out of my brain this week. It just kept coming back. Because I feel like that is what most big things do to us. Even the joyful things have a bit of fear mixed in. Why were the women afraid with their joy? Well, first, terrifying angels. Uh, Second, Jesus raising to life again changes their friend from like guy we hang out with to, yeah, he's pretty powerful. That might be a little bit intimidating. Oh yes, we now have evidence that mm -hmm, he is God, all right? Third, maybe they like the Israelites just were afraid to have a little hope. What if it's, I mean, this sounds so out there. I don't know if we can believe it. Fourth, maybe they were afraid that no one would believe them. Women in that day were not the highest status in their culture. Mary Magdalene had been cured of demons, so people kind of wrote her off a lot. She said anything strange. But they still had joy because Jesus was alive again and they were going to cling to that hope. They were going to. And despite their fear, they were going to go on their assignment and go speak to all the Jesus followers and say, there's a story here and we believe that he's been resurrected. Mary and Mary were rewarded for their courage. Verse nine says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The step of faith that they took landed them right at the feet of Jesus. What a reward for their willingness to move past fear and go anyway. So besides that being a fascinating story, why is the resurrection good news for us? Well, Jesus died to save all humans from all sin across all time. His sacrifice was meant to take care of everyone before he ever lived and all of us who live after. All the sins, the sins done to us, the sins we have knowingly and unknowingly been a part of. God was taking oppression and violence and trauma and whispered lies, broken trust, shattered relationships. He was redeeming that. So Jesus died to erase that guilt, to release forgiveness into the world and to mend brokenness. But by raising to life again, he was also defeating death itself. And because of the resurrection, we're promised life beyond death. Because of the resurrection, we can live with more purpose now, in the here and now. And because of the resurrection, we have a road out. The word exodus means a road out. And we get an exodus from sin from shame, from brokenness. And even while we live in a broken world, our souls 
have been set free. So my question for us today is, what are you doing with that freedom? Let's consider some options. Some people get free from something and they just take off running and do all the things that they couldn't do before. And that makes sense. But uh, hopefully they'll take a break from self at some point. Others get defensive, like I'm free. No one can expect anything from me. But still others, there's people that we know who use their freedom and their experiences to help others become free. Share the message of freedom. God's people, what did we say last week? That they were celebrating Passover. That it said right there in Exodus 12, remember this night every year for generations because the Lord remembered you. And Mary and Mary and all the disciples, they went out and shared the story of Jesus in the book of Acts that we can read in the New Testament. So they took gratitude for what they received, and they shared it with others. So that's what I want it to be our model today. What are we doing with our freedom? My hope is that we're not holding it to ourselves, that we're finding a deeper connection with Yahweh, the Lord God, and that with your freedom, you want to share your story with others. And full honestly, that's probably going to be like Mary and Mary, afraid yet filled with joy. That's still a little scary. We might be afraid that we don't know enough or don't have the right words to tell people or have some doubts. We might be afraid of what others might think because resurrection sounds a little out there. But it's okay. Think about your story. Your story. Maybe that you tell someone you, you just can't shake Jesus because He's changed your perspective. Or you share that somehow in your struggles you have peace through the Spirit. Or maybe you share that you didn't expect to, but hanging around some other Jesus followers wasn't that bad. Kind of like it. When you share, God will take it from there. Our goal is to just speak our story and trust that the Lord will do things in people's hearts. Maybe you can even be creative And do it in a little song, as Billy Taylor did. Well, I wish I could be like a bird in the sky. How sweet it would be if I found I could fly. Oh, I'd soar to the sun and look down on the sea. Then I'd sing because I know, oh, I know how it feels to be free. Billy's story turned from I wish I could to, oh, I do know. He wanted that message to go out. He did know what it felt to be free. And if we know what it feels to live in Yahweh's freedom, let's share our lives with others. You might know that I I like a good visual. I like take-homes. It's not just for kids. So I've got a little something for all of us because the bird metaphor and, you know, freedom's often described in this bird-soaring kind of thing. So I've got some feathers. And each of you, there's enough for everyone So if you'd like, when we have our time of communion, there's a box of feathers. If you'd like to take one with you and just kind of keep this challenge in mind. Remember that you are free and you can share it with others. If you'd like to talk more about Jesus' freedom, come see me afterwards. Let's schedule a time to talk more. For now, we're going to end the way we do every week. We end with communion. 
We have some bread and we have some juice and we do it because Jesus said, do this and remember me. Y'all know God did a lot of things with food. Jesus says, eat, taste, remember. And we're not just remembering the pain and the sacrifice, but the victory and the celebration. So today, sometimes we're very solemn, but today we're going to be a little bit more upbeat. We're going to remember the victory of Jesus raising from the grave as well as his sacrifice. So come down when you're ready. We're going to have friends serving on either side and take the juice, take the bread and talk to some people on the way and have a meal together as we celebrate. We're gonna even have some upbeat music. But first, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your freedom. Thank you for freeing your people in body, in mind, and in soul. Thank you for including us in that freedom. Thank you for caring enough to come to this earth. Thank you for living a life that we can model. Help us when we're afraid yet filled with joy. Give us the courage to take a step, to have a conversation, to spend some time and talk a little bit about you. We lift you up today. We celebrate and thank you for your life and ours connected. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever wanna join Echo Church in person, We meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.